Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Let's get them out of their seats and into the ring. you got to be kidding me! This is the Finishing Move Podcast with Nick Cellini, Big John, and Adam Gillespie. We've got recaps, the latest storylines, and the biggest moments from the week. Now it's the Finishing Move from the Fans Podcast Park. Well, here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Finishing Move. We'll go through, obviously, AEW, the fallout from Fast Lane. Talk a little bit about this week in wrestling history as well. But let's start with the WWE's latest into their Hall of Fame class of 2021. Uh, by the way, it's uh, Nick Cellini and Big John Radcliffe. Adam Gillespie is on assignment. Now, we should also add, before we talk about the Hall of Fame, that I am at home. So if you hear dogs barking in the background, that is why. And inevitably, whenever I do something like this from home, rest assured, the dogs will begin barking. So just wanted to, Big John, prepare everybody out there listening to the podcast. I was actually going to go along with that. It might just be sound effects. We might make several mentions of the junkyard dog and the British bulldogs throughout the course of the show just for the uh, effect portion of it, even though contextually it would not match up to anything we were talking about. Yeah, just uh, did not want to alarm anybody. We're not at a kennel of some sort, just to have a couple of dogs in the house, and every now and then they get rambunctious. I don't think Kane ever played a dog, but Kane is the latest inductee into the WWE's Hall of Fame class of 2021. He was on the WWE show The Bump, and he was surprised by The Undertaker, Mark Calloway, out of character letting Kane know that he is the latest member of the Hall of Fame. And to say that Kane got emotional was an understatement. And when you think about, think back about um, all of the the storylines and the angles these two participated in over the years, to see this guy get emotional, probably not one of the things that ever crossed our minds, but um, outside of the storyline, breaking kayfabe, Kane, very emotional. Glenn Jacobs, now the uh, mayor of Knox County, is a WWE Hall of Famer. And I think that's what's very cool is to watch these people, like, as you see the Hall of Fame inductions as they're taking place, you always think of them within character, particularly Kane, because, I mean, here's a guy who, for a vast majority of his career, he wore a mask. He was this mystical phenom, not to steal from The Undertaker, but he was this mystical character, and now here he is, you know, mayor in Knox County, mayor in Tennessee, and well-deservedly now going into the Hall of Fame, and to watch these two individuals, because I'm not ashamed to say it, obviously, as a kid watching wrestling, you really thought these two were brothers. You oh, really... they looked like it. I mean, physically, the way they matched up, yeah. it was perfect. It was, it was, it could be, and, and people have talked about this before, it could be the greatest storyline in the history of the WWE. And I, and it just goes to show, for long-term listeners of the finishing move, this goes to show the difference between then and now, and whether you, you know, whoever put this together, Vince, or whoever wants to take credit for it you can say that look they they looked at this guy and said he physically looks like him maybe they had him drop five or ten more pounds or whatever to match up but they literally looked like they could be brothers so it was very cool and then just to you know if you know the progression of who he was you know isaac yankum dds the fake uh, diesel the fake diesel to showing what it takes to get so many different characters to get to that point and then for those who just say you know Wrestlers are a bunch of musclehead meatheads, and, you know, there's a lot worse. We've probably heard people uh, call wrestlers that now just to see here he is a mayor. This guy's a well-educated guy, 
it's very cool to see him get this reward, and some people ignore it, but it's a cool thing to just see him get this reward for the work he's put in. And, and look, as a performer, kudos to Glenn Jacobs because we talked about the characters that failed, and then so many different ways he went with Kane. A, a comedic presence as the corporate Kane. He was also ruthless as Kane with the mask, without the mask. I mean, he has proven over the years that he can do so many different things, and as a big guy, he's never hurt anybody. He's never been stiff in the ring where somebody has been injured at his hands, and that's that's the most important part of this business, protecting the guy in the ring with you. Yeah, it's that it's that dance we always talk about, even explaining it to you know my nine-year-old son, just explaining it's kind of like a dance, and to watch this guy where the moves that he would perform, whether it was just jumping over the top rope, the choke slams, the tombstones, things of that nature, and, and it shows in this industry uh, that we're talking about, you know, that there are wrestlers that can't perform certain moves, that they are outlawed and only one wrestler, the Tombstone Power Driver being one of them, that the only two individuals that got the okay to use it were Kane and The Undertaker. Everyone else, it's outlawed for them to use. He's a fascinating guy. He's obviously a smart guy. He's obviously a well-rounded guy. He's really, I mean, this isn't storyline. He's actually the mayor in Knox County in Tennessee. And he talked about the first time that he had to set himself on fire. And he said, just just think about what sets us apart from other performers, other entertainers. I have to remember what I have to do in the ring. I have to remember what I have to say during my promo. Then I have to remember to get out of the ring in front of a live audience. And my arm is on fire for the first time and he said they went over it with the Hollywood stunt people earlier in the day and they were telling him usually this takes a few days to set this up well here you are now on live television in a full arena having to do all of these things that's what really I think it's lost in the eyes of a lot of people that just say ah wrestling's fake yeah it's one of those scenarios of if I said to you Nick take your shoe off go walk past your bedpost and stub your pinky toe it's one of the greatest pains that you'll probably ever feel. You know, that, you hit your funny bone. So in human nature, no, I can't do it. Well, human nature tells you, I'm not going to put my hand into a ball of fire. I don't <laughs> care what kind of fire retardant gel I have or whatever. There's a guy five feet behind me with a, a fire extinguisher. I can't do that. It takes a level of discipline and training and psyching yourself up to say, okay, I got to do this. I mean, you, you even think back just baseball players. I got to step into the batter's box. And I got to take a 80-mile-an-hour ball into the small of my back so I can get on base. Doesn't sound like a hell of a lot of fun. But to, for what he did, for the things that he did, it, it just shows the level of commitment, the level of, of desire that you have in this industry. And I'll be honest, he's one of those individuals. There's not a lot of people that you sit and wonder and just hope, man, I hope he writes a book. He's one of those individuals. I hope one day he writes a book, his autobiography. I'd love to read just even more about those little times in between and even him doing the indie circuit to just getting to this point. Yeah, so congratulations to Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, uh, WWE Hall of Famer. Let's talk about what happened in the AEW this week, and you understand why NXT has to move. Uh, last week's broadcast, not this past week, but the week before of AEW Dynamite, garnered 768,000 viewers, only 597,000 tune in for NXT. So you talk about making inroads, AEW continues to do that. And the history of it, I mean, since AEW, AEW Dynamite has come about. I think there's only one, at best, three different times that WWE NXT has won. One that I can think of offhand, it was their most recent uh, Halloween Havoc. Other than that, AEW Dynamite, if you want to call this the Wednesday Night Wars, AEW has dominated it. And so much so, it's always it's something that everyone has always said, that you know what, it would be best for WWE to take NXT and 
People would make excuses for it. NXT, it's developmental. It's I don't want to call it the lesser brand because they are still people who work there, but it's not their main roster, and that's why it couldn't compete. Well, now it's at a point that they're, they they're going to have to concede and say, if we want to keep this going, we're not getting the viewership. We're not getting the ratings. And ultimately, the network can't be pleased with it. And it just goes to show, I, I'm willing to bet individuals like uh, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks who put AEW together to say, it's wrestlers putting on a wrestling show. They have to be very proud of the fact that we're wrestlers putting on a wrestling show and we're doing it with a lesser budget than the big guys over at WWE. I like the opening match. Kenny Omega on Wednesday, Matt Seidel. And Seidel actually held his own. And Kenny Omega comes out and looks into the camera and says, opening match, are you kidding me? That's why I love him. He, he does little things that just make me laugh every time. It's those little things that... The uh, casual wrestling fan would kind of take for, you know, they just wouldn't even think anything about it. But he's right. I mean, here's your world champion, and he's the opening match, and he's taking on Matt Seidel, you know, who by all rights and standards, we talk about guys that it looks like, yeah, I could kick his ass. Yeah, he made him look good. Kenny Omega made him look very, very good. He did, and he's one of those guys that you think, yeah, he'll, he'll never be world champion, but in a match like this, he made him look good. It was an entertaining match, and Kenny Omega, he, he continued to deliver on, on what you expected from him. Later on, he comes in and tries to convince some people to turn heel. It doesn't really work out, but Kenny Omega, his presence felt the other night, as was the appearance of Britt Baker. Didn't wrestle, but we know about the uh, Thunder Rosa match that she had a couple of weeks back. And She comes out, and Tony Schiavone's interviewing her, and she rips the microphone away in full heel mode. She calls out Mick Foley, who gave her credit on social media, saying, yeah, that's great, Mick Foley. It took you 20 years years to become a hardcore legend she did it in one night so again pulling no punches is Britt baker the heel and good for her i mean it's one of those things in watching it and i i mean we've seen some great female wrestlers but to see her the way she pulls off a promo and, and here's a lady who is a licensed certified dentist that is pulling off promos and basically just calling out a hardcore legend and saying in one night what I did and the match that they put on. And, and you can pick it apart. I, I know Dave Meltzer would probably look at it and say this was flawed and that was flawed, but it was an incredible match. And then just to watch this promo of where she's right, she took on a Mick Foley. She took on took jabs at him and even went as far to talk about how, you know, uh, John Moxley would be proud that she took the thumbtacks, making reference to his uh, backyard wrestling days. Kudos to her, and, you know, I think they could have did a little bit better to making her look like she actually went through a match, though, like put her arm in a sling or something. a Band-Aid yeah. at the bare minimum. Yeah, something. I mean, you know, play along with the storyline. Didn't happen. Not a lot did happen that I, I, I think stood out the other night on AEW, but I guess QT Marshall, Cody's buddy, he's he's going to turn heel, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's a given that's going to happen. Yeah, he has to turn heel. Now, the only thing about it is, you know, one of They're the... They're doing the Bruno San Martino, Larry Zabisco exhibition <laughs> angle. And that this is going to be fun to watch where ultimately, I mean, you don't want to make it too predictable. And the beauty of AEW is you think you know what's going to happen and then they psych you out. But you got to believe it that QT Marshall, he's going to take it a little too far where Cody has said he won't do things against him. He won't... Does Arn, he's the special guest referee, right. does he turn on Cody? No, no, no. I think they like the the combination of okay. what you got there. I mean, look, be great to see if Arn hops up, gives Cody a DDT, and you know, a brain buster, and moves on about his day. But I don't think he turns on him. I think QT Marshall, and and honestly, I think if he turns heel, I hope it works out for him because he just doesn't look like he had. You know, heel has a look. 
Right. Iron Sheik looked like a heel. Hulk Hogan, he looked like a face. He didn't look like a heel till he became Hollywood. QT Marshall looks like a nice guy. And you have to change that look. I'll say this. Speaking of changing, my opinion has changed on Darby Allen. Having watched him wrestle, that, that match against John Silver, I mean, that kid's something else. He's not afraid of anything, is he? No, I mean, look. Kid likes to be on a skateboard, and they put on a great match. Him and John Silver. John Silver even came out and uh, tweeted out, I think I dislocated my shoulder in that match. And he took a pretty hard bump. But Darby Allen, one of the things with him is that he, he can put on an exciting match, and he does it in a way that, you know, throughout most of the match, you think he's actually going to die in the ring. And, and he does those things, those coffin drops. And he makes it fun and entertaining. And I, I love the way that they're – I don't want to say they're acquaintances yet, but they're mixing in a sting with Darby Allen, and I guess trying to make them kind of mentor-mentee kind of scenario. Maybe I'm paranoid. Again, I thought Sting was going to turn heel at that point. He was just kind of standing there on the ring apron. So, again, think, that's probably my paranoia coming into play. I think his play. knees hurt too much to go down the steps, so he just kind of, <laughs> I'm out here. I'm not, I don't need to go down the ramp. We're, we're kind of good right here. I can see everything. Yeah, they uh, they actually end the night. Matt Hardy, his stable there, ringside. Everybody just starts fighting at at the end, and uh, they're, we're out of time. Tony Schiavone pulls the old uh, WCW Monday Nitro line. Now, that is one of the flaws that I do see with AEW. There's a whole lot of stables, and I love stable wrestling as much sure. as the next guy. Don't get me wrong. But the, 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 the stables are getting too big. You got Team Taz. You got the Pinnacle. You got, you know, Chris Jericho and his group. You got Matt Hardy has one. There's a lot of factions that are turning out there. And, I mean, unless you're setting this up to where you're going to go back to the old school war game days where you just put everybody in a ring and kind of let it go that way where you have the teams go at it, I'd like to see something come out of it, not just we're going to be a bunch of teams that are put together and you never get to see it unless you see what we saw at the end. Well, we saw a lot of action in the pay-per-view, the WWE pay-per-view fast lane. Let's talk about a few of the matches and, and what's going to happen with the next big pay-per-view, the two-nighter in WrestleMania that's coming up. The tag team championship, you saw Bianca Blair and Sasha Banks lose to Nia Jax and Shayna, and some bickering and some physicality between the two afterwards, talking about Banks and Blair. So I guess they're trying to set up some tension leading into their match at WrestleMania. Well, I mean, you can't just have everybody go in there with, I respect you, I respect you, but I'm going to win your title in a very aggressive manner. You want to have something, hopefully, that'll go into it. And I hope this story turns out to be something. I think they can turn out to be, I think in terms of what they can do athletically, they can put on a pretty good match. So I hope we get to get a chance to see something like that because I think what they can do, and it's nice to see a difference with it too, what they can do in the ring, that to see Bianca Belair, to see Sasha Banks, to see them two go at it, I hope that they can put together a pretty decent story. And it's to your point of something that we've always said, it's kind of interesting to watch it where, you know, you always started at WrestleMania and work your way backwards. It looks like they're starting at whatever night they're at and working their way up to WrestleMania. And, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, me. WrestleMania 37, a two-night affair. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Also, uh, at the Fastlane pay-per-view, Shane McMahon injures his knee. The exclusive footage of him working out and injuring his knee, which means all of a sudden Elias has to come in and take on Braun Strowman. It becomes a squash match for the most part. And then we find out later on, and we'll, I know we're working ahead a little bit, we find out later on during Monday Night Raw that it was all a ruse. I mean, everybody knew that. But uh, the storyline had to build, I guess, to a certain extent to that point. Yeah, you had to give something there. I mean, Shane obviously wants to be in WrestleMania. 
and, and you know, I, I guess he wants to become some sort of giant killer or be the guy who, because, what, he's taking on the big show, but he won't take on anyone. He's taking on guys that really have no role. And when you look at Braun Strowman, you know, we ask week in, week out, what are they doing with him? And you, we've heard, you know, if you listen to the different dirt sheets, one of the reasons why the big show, Paul White, has left is because they had nothing to do with him. They really had no direction for him as a character. You hope that, or maybe you do hope that happens with Braun Strowman as he gets to a point and just says, look, you got no direction for me. Let me go somewhere where I can try to get some direction. I can guide, you know, guide myself to become a big guy, to become a big monster, and maybe get a chance to become a Hall of Famer. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the WrestleMania match. I'm assuming that Shane is going to lose to Braun Strowman. I mean, there, there's no reason for Shane to win, right? No, there isn't. Now, I hope we don't see the green slime again. Let's leave that one alone. Now, I've been critical of Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. I'll say this. The crowd was into it. This is awesome chance going on as Drew McIntyre beats Sheamus there in the fast lane pay-per-view, the no-holds-barred match. They they beat the hell out of each other. I mean, they really beat the hell out of each other. And look, to watch those two, and, and I guess that goes to the credence of when you've worked with someone for so long, when you know someone for so long. I mean, you and your partner on 680, Chris Domino. You guys can go back and forth and take barbs at each other because you guys have known each other. It, it shows when you have that kind of chemistry, you can put together something like this that's just fun and exciting to watch. And, and I don't know where the story's going to go because you got to believe at some point it's going to circle back around yeah. and revisit it again. But if we're getting matches like this where we can just watch just for the sheer brutality of it and the barbarianism of it, then it, it's enjoyable to watch it. And I, I hope they circle back around and make this a valid story, not just a one-off scenario of who do you want to battle? Sheamus, who do you want to battle? McIntyre. Well, speaking of one-offs, I, I don't know if it's going to be one more time. I, I know it's not a one-off because it's been going on and on and on. Randy Orton and now Bray Wyatt, who comes back, all charred, looking much like the, the Swamp Thing and or Jason <laughs> from Friday the 13th as Randy Orton loses to Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt comes up from under the ring. And how would you best describe, he almost looked like as well the creature from the Black Lagoon. How would you best describe? best describe Bray Wyatt's new look? Uh, I'm going to date myself here. You remember the old comic book cartoon, The Toxic Avenger? Yes. He had a mop and kind of one eye is kind of yeah. hanging out of his head. That's the be- that's the he looked like a and I know it's the lighting and the coloration that they have going on. He kind of looked like a red toxic avenger. It looked like they literally took the costume that he had on. They they melted it down a little bit to kind of give a charred melted effect to it where he's wearing makeup underneath the mask now so you can see more of his face and, and it, it it's a storyline that had a character that had so much more potential that right now it seems like somebody is blowing it. And I don't know if it's Bray Wyatt or Vince or whoever the writers are. It looks like they're going to mess up what could have been a really good character like we talked about at the start of the show with Kane, where that character developed in so many different ways. They're trying to keep this fiend character a certain way, but they're messing it up by doing it this way, in my opinion. See, the sad thing is when Bray Wyatt was the other guy in the funhouse, it was great. I yeah. mean, I, I thought when that first started, that whole angle, those vignettes, I wasn't sure where it was going. But then it started to make sense. But now you're doing away with that, and you have a guy that's very good on the mic just essentially standing there doing nothing now. And you you even gave him a partner, a, a, a sidekick, Alexa Bliss, where you've overdone the gimmick and the characterization of it so much that you could have had something special there and it seems like they're just 
doing too much with it. And I and we'll have to wait and see. You can fix some things. I mean, the beauty of wrestling is they don't always have to explain everything. Sometimes right. they you can, can just, just move forward. Yeah. People aren't going to remember anyway, pal. That's what, what Vince McMahon would say. What did they say? They broke up the uh, the Bella twins, and then all of a sudden they're best friends again. Right. Twin sisters typically don't turn on each other. Right. It's it's all for the storyline, and people will just move forward. Now, speaking of storylines, in the end, the storyline is Edge has become a heel now as he, in the WWE Universal Championship match, just starts hitting people with chairs. I mean, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and he says, this is supposed to be my moment as he does all of that and storms out of the ring and Roman Reigns gets the win. Yeah, I mean, we talk about matches that are just predictable and what's going to happen. Well, this one kind of had every bit of predictability written all over it. And I I think if we all take a wild guess that we'll see at WrestleMania, this will be a three-way match where it's Edge, Daniel Bryan, and Roman Reigns going at it. And we get a chance to try and... See, maybe Edge goes back to the proverbial uh, rated R superstar that he once was. And Daniel Bryan's going to be the good guy on his last run. And, and what it looks like, in all honesty, from this, it looks like Vince is handing out everybody wants their WrestleMania moment before they hang it up officially. And everybody's get you get a WrestleMania moment. Right. And you get a WrestleMania moment. Hulk Hogan, you want one too? Come on back. We're going to put you at tight. I mean, everybody gets a WrestleMania moment. And, and it sucks. And, it, and for us as fans, it kind of... You know, it's a very disappointing because as this pandemic starts to hopefully dissipate at some point in time and they start to open up, you want to go see quality shows and and quality matches. And I'm not sure if that was what this match is going to be. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Bobby Lashley, as we jump ahead to Monday Night Raw, beats Sheamus. And then Sheamus gets attacked by Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. And then Drew McIntyre comes in and fights everybody off. So we got two separate things going on here. Are Drew McIntyre and Sheamus going to reunite? And then is Bobby Lashley, because he does castigate his buddies afterwards, is Bobby Lashley going to become a face? You can't. The hurt business can't be a face. They they have to remain that heel faction. I mean, do they turn on him? Yeah. Now that might be the greater portion of it because you know we or at least I've said it. When you looked at the the hurt business, it, it brought you to mind of the of the four horsemen. You know, they wore the suits, they dressed up, they carried themselves in a way, and, and for them to turn face, I mean, I, I just. I know it happened, but I can't think of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson as faces. I can't look at MVP and Bobby Lashley and the story and what they put together here. Now, what it does open the door for is, you know, MVP has been kind of the architect uh, of putting this together. It does open the door for some wrestlers that could be making their way back from injury or from COVID-19, where I've read things like guys like Keith Lee joining into the fold and bringing in other guys, bringing other wrestlers up from NXT, giving them opportunities. So maybe it's for the best where, you know, MVP helps create more opportunities for more wrestlers. But I think it's a little bit too soon as well because the the Hurt Business has been enjoyable. And watching Sheamus and, and Drew McIntyre, you know, I, I'm willing to take a wild guess. We'll probably see them in a tag team match eventually. Yeah, in some way, shape, or form. Also at WrestleMania, we found out that Asuka is going to wrestle Rhea <laughs> Ripley, and she comes out and challenges Asuka, who says, you're not ready, but accepts the challenge nevertheless. Will the title change hands? I got a feeling it's going to. I, I think Asuka's going to be a team player here, is she not? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, Rhea Ripley, she's kind of the next big thing, and I think what everyone is going to want for, kind of chime for, you you get a Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair at some point in time where they're both very tall women. We've seen them do a match before. They worked well together. I think we'll get a rematch at that. And Rhea Ripley, she's the new new up-and-comer. 
And, and I wish they would have literally, once again, it's the scenario of they started at Raw and they're working their way. And part of the reason why I think, you know, she's obviously getting this opportunity. I, I think Charlotte Fair is actually dealing with COVID. So our thoughts and prayers go out to her. But uh, uh, Rhea Ripley, I think she walks away with the win. Yeah, I agree. Now, let me ask you about this angle, Miz and Bad Bunny. So Miz <laughs> gets humiliated by Bobby Lashley. Now he catches a guitar to the back. Bad Bunny's not going to wrestle or keep wrestling, but these two are going to match up at WrestleMania. Where, where is this going to go? And, again, Miz being a team player here, putting everybody over, but at some point in time, where do you go with him if he keeps putting everybody over? I, You give him a nice long break, and hopefully he can come back with a big return. I mean, that, that's all you got to go with. I mean, if he puts over Bad Bunny, you're not talking about a former football player or an athlete or an, even an older wrestler. You're talking about a musician. And, and we've seen, you know, scenarios like this before where we saw, uh, who was it, Stephen Amell, where he took on Cody Rhodes' then Stardust you know, put over Stephen Amell, but now you're getting a little bit out of hand if you're going to have him put over Bad Bunny. And, and you know, how how does that work out at that point in time of if he's going to lose to Bad Bunny, then can you and I go and get WrestleMania matches? Right. I mean, a line has to be drawn someplace. I, I'll be honest with you. I am completely exhausted. I am completely tired of this Bad Bunny line, or, or storyline, I should say. I, I I, care less than nothing about Bad Bunny being a wrestler. He's making a mockery of it. I mean, like, like I know the 24-7 title isn't like a coveted title or anything like that. I get it. But the fact that you didn't even have him get pinned. You didn't even have him where, what was it, some time ago where the 24-7 title changed hands throughout the night. It was like Raw 150 or something like that. You could have at least have him be pinned by R-Truth and, and give it an emoticon of just a little bit of laughter. You didn't even give it that. It's just he's making a mockery of it, and, it, and it's kind of sad. And it is a storyline that I have zero interest in. There's nothing going there. Nothing at all. Kind of like Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon. Elias wrestles uh, Braun Strowman again. He loses, and then Shane comes in and hits Strowman with the crutch in the back. He no-sells the move. Next thing you know, Shane bolts from the ring. Aha! The injury was all a fake. He fooled no one. We all knew. <laughs> He's in perfect health. Oh, no, miraculously, he is healed by Mr. Miyagi. I mean, why are we doing this? Why are we? And maybe it's because, you know, when and maybe that might be part of the answer that we talked about earlier with NXT moving. Maybe it's time to bring up another crop of NXT wrestlers. And I know you don't want to leave the cupboards bare, but they can move around. You have your big show coming up. You have WrestleMania coming up. And, and, you know, obviously it's one of those things that you think about as it's coming. It's which day are you more interested in? Because if they divide the matches up incorrectly, you could have everybody watching all in one day and completely disinterested in the second. Yeah, so I guess this is the way it's going to look. A two-night WrestleMania, Saturday, April the 10th, you're going to have Lashley and McIntyre, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, The Miz and Bad Bunny. Then on Sunday, Reigns and Edge, Asuka and Rhea Ripley, and then you're going to have Randy Orton finally take on Bray Wyatt as we saw the match set up to end Monday Night Raw. Bray Wyatt makes his way back into the ring, uh, the flames and everything else, and then you've got uh, people pointing to the WrestleMania sign. So is this it now? And then once Randy Orton does uh, the duties that veterans have to do, puts over Bray Wyatt, then what happens? 
No one knows. I was about to say, for for the sake of this, I'm supposed to talk, but also I'm just going to say, I don't care. I don't either. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) And it's sad because you're supposed to care about a guy that I think – and a character that's as entertaining and talented as Bray Wyatt's character is, but nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, for a character that's as entertaining as Bray Wyatt, you're supposed to care. For someone like Randy Orton that we've watched, you know, for quite some time, and as talented as he is at his age and the way he's able to perform in the ring, you're supposed to care. But it's drawn out for so long, and kudos to WWE. We never found out really why. I mean, maybe he had a kid. I don't know, but I don't care. Yeah, I don't think anybody does, but the match will happen uh, during WrestleMania, nevertheless. Follow the podcast, Mark, on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind-the-scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Podcast Park. And with that, we look back at this week in wrestling history. 30 years ago, WrestleMania 7, Superstars and Stripes Forever took place. And one of the matches was the Nasty Boys defeating the Hart Foundation. That would be Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. Why is this significant? It was the last match for Hart and Neidhart as Bret was then pushed as a singles wrestler for pretty much the remainder of his career. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the Hart Foundation, you could tell how talented Bret Hart really was. And it's no disrespect to Jim Neidhart, but it was what Bret Hart could do on his own that I don't think he would have ever gotten the success that he would have gotten if he would have continued down the road with Jim Neidhart. And the way this match, I mean, look, you're talking about a, a two guys when you're talking about knobs and uh and, and Sags and Neidhart, those three together really could have been a team, a trio by themselves because they were just big brawlers. They were big, strong guys in there. And Bret Hart was a very finesse wrestler. I, having been a dungeon-trained wrestler, he was more of a finesse wrestler, but it was also what he could do on the mic that made it more entertaining for what he could do that could add him to that next level that Vince was looking for to kind of give him that push to the singles level. Also during this WrestleMania 7, Jake Roberts defeats the model Rick Martel in a blindfold match. Remember, Rick Martel using his cologne arrogance <laughs> to blind Jake Roberts, who actually sold that in airports and everywhere else. He would act like he was really blind. Ah, the old days. And and didn't Rick Martell walk around? It was actually like a a bug spray bottle at first because they wanted wanted something so big and over-exaggerated, like Brutus the Barber Beefcake. He didn't have scissors. He had hedge clippers. Correct. Yeah, you're right. Arrogance. (laughs) His arrogance was in a big bug spray (laughs) spray tube that he'd walk around squirting in the air like it was cologne. So it was great to watch this. And, And then, you know, the good old days where you you wanted to keep kayfabe, you wanted to keep the storyline, well, then you had to pretend that you were blind for a little while. Yep. Now, we talked about him earlier. We'll talk about him now, and we'll talk about him a little bit later on as well. The Undertaker defeated Jimmy Snuka. It was the first of 21 consecutive WrestleMania wins spanning 23 years for the dead man. Who knew this match would start it all? When you had this match come out, when you had the Undertaker that showed up, the Undertaker was a completely different take on a character, too. I mean, you think back in those times, yes, they had characters who were grim, who were dark, but this was someone... Because in that time, the key was not only the wrestler, this was around the time action figures were becoming popular. So they they wanted you to be more colorful, and they wanted you to be able to sell them. And here's a guy who's in a big trench coat and a hat that walked very slow to the ring. And don't forget, Paul Bear... Oh, Undertaker! Who actually did take care 
of Mark Calloway on the yeah. road. He was the guy that would book the hotels, the rental cars. He actually was his guy. Did the same for Kane for a while, too. And, and really looked after him, and it, it really was. And even The Undertaker said it went from being – he was my coworker and colleague to where he became my confidant. And he said almost to some degrees, like there were moments, it was like having a father figure because he looked after him and the way, the type of friend that he was. And, and you love hearing that because, you know, we hear the stories, we've seen them where, uh, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels hated each other for decades. Where here these two, they became so close in terms of a friendship that, it really probably made it easier to work with them and pull off everything they pulled off. And he talks about the urn. You know, he really was Paul Moody, who played Paul Bearer, a funeral yeah. director. He had a license, and he said he needed something. When he was Percy Pringle way back when as a manager, he had a cane. And he said, when I first started working with The Undertaker, I didn't really know what to do with my hands. And he thought up of the idea of the urn, and he said it wasn't really hard for me to get an urn. I had some connections kind of had one sitting around there yeah it's kind of cool to see that just sometimes the simplest ideas turn out to be the most iconic ideas of them yep. all because that's really all it was was i don't want to sit with my hands in my pockets you know it's like jimmy hart jimmy hart just grabbed a megaphone it's really it he had nothing else to do than grab a <laughs> megaphone why because i'm gonna be the mouth of the south and sometimes something that simple as you said becomes something Iconic. The Ultimate Warrior, I think, thought he was an icon. He uh, defeated Randy Savage in this WrestleMania 7 in a career versus career match. Post-match, Sensational Sherry turns on the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Miss Elizabeth comes in the ring, makes the save. They get back together. Pomp and circumstance plays. And Big John, there's not a dry eye in the house. Elizabeth! <laughs> Elizabeth! I love you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> Poor Elizabeth. You want to talk about somebody. She was such. I, I got to know her back in the day when Main Event Fitness was open and she was dating Lex. What what a nice woman. But j just a woman that just never really had any solid foundation in her life. There was always somebody controlling her. It was, it was really a sad life. Just I, such a sweet woman. I almost wish. And, I mean, obviously, you know. This is going to come out wrong, so forgive me. I'm not trying to be rude when I say this. I want to know her backstory because she came out in a time where there weren't, you know, women wrestlers. There were they weren't as many. There were there weren't as many as they are now. They weren't as popular as they are now. She was a valet in the truest form. She didn't yeah. speak. She didn't have very many speaking parts. She didn't interfere in the matches. She literally came down, stood at ringside, so forth and so on. And like you said, you 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 hear the stories. But just to know, you know, some a small portion of the stories to go with it, I would love to know more of the story that goes behind her in, in terms of who Miss Elizabeth was. Yeah, really one of the nicest people ever. And unfortunately, her life was a tragedy that ended in tragedy. Hulk Hogan in this WrestleMania 7 defeats the villain who teamed with Iraq, <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter, to win the WWF championship. I want you to think about this. He was actually getting death threats. I mean, he had to really fear for his life. He had to have extra security when he decided to enter that storyline. I mean, you want to talk about, again, how things have changed over the years. Well, actually, and what's funny is he start, he's actually gotten uh, cease and desist letters now yeah. because someone's dug up his history where he's held on to the gimmick of, and I have to say gimmick or whatever, because he's always held on to it, and people have dug up. He was not a sergeant. Right. He was more, someone said, I've seen stories where they said he was only a private. I've seen stories that said he never even enlisted. He was a maggot. <laughs> but you talk about a gimmick that he was, I, I hope he was able to cash in on, because, I mean, the, the 
popular TV show G.I. Joe made him into a figure, an action figure, and a character there. But, yeah, when he made that turn, when he decided he, he wanted to turn his back on America, it, it was a time where people were really hurt because here oh, yeah. he flew the American flag, and now you've decided that you're going to join Iron Sheik? Man, you look. There's a lot of things that you can do, and Bret Hart and several other people have done it throughout the <laughs> now, years. Now, now, Big John, I, I hate to correct you, but I, I don't believe it was the Iron Sheik. It was Colonel Mustafa. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm You're sorry. right. Let's let's get our kayfabe <laughs> right, please. <laughs> 24 years ago, WCW presents Uncensored from the Tupelo Coliseum in Tupelo, Mississippi. The Belfast Bruiser defeats Lord Steven Regal by disqualification. I, I don't know anything about the Belfast Bruiser, I do know that Colonel Robert Parker also defeated Medusa in an inter- intergender match. Boy, WCW, you want to talk about how quickly they turn things around with Eric Bischoff? What a mess this pay-per-view is. <laughs> the Booty Man defeats Diamond Dallas Page. The Giant defeats Loch Ness. Yes, the monster from, from uh, Scotland or Ireland, wherever. That's right. That's who the Giant took on, Paul Wright. He took on Loch Ness. Yeah, I believe, not to be confused with the Yeti, I believe they were two yes. different people. But but maybe they weren't. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they weren't. Sting and Booker T defeat the Road Warriors in a Chicago street fight. And the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, defeat the Alliance to end Hulkamania. That would be Ric Flair, Arn Anderson. But they had a lot of people, didn't they? Oh, the Barbarian, Meng, Lex Luger, the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, Z Gangsta, and the ultimate solution. So now Z Gangster. <laughs> and there were three managers as well. Woman, Miss Elizabeth, the aforementioned Liz, and uh, Jimmy Hart. So Z Gangster was Tiny Lister, Zeus. Oh, I he, didn't realize that. He took on. He Another could, great guy. Had a chance. He did some work with Monster over the years. Yeah. Another fantastic guy. He, um, God rest his soul. Great he, guy. He wanted to. They wanted to bring the character that he was from. Uh, what was the Hulk Hogan movie? Oh, no Holds Barred, I think yes. it was. Mm-hmm. They, but they couldn't get the rights to it. But so everyone, he was Zeus in that, so they had to kind of do Z, some work yeah, with the Yeah, they had yeah. to just work with the Z for as much as they could. And it wasn't until later years that he got the the, what, the trademark on the name Tiny Zeus Lester so he could use it and make money off his rights. So they always used different ways to work with it. And evidently, everybody hated Hulk Hogan and Randy, Randy Macho Man Savage. Like you said, I mean, when you started rattling off people, I'm thinking, well, there's the four horsemen. Oh, well, no, not Ming. And not the taskmaster. Okay, yeah, everyone well, you, just you hated got these three guys. Three of the four at one time: Alex and Arn and Ric Flair were horsemen. So yeah, and I, it, you know, the Mega Powers, they they took on one, two, seven, seven different guys, and, and even with the valets. I mean, obviously, we know that Woman uh, and Jimmy Hart they would get involved with the match in a heartbeat. But you know, the Mega Powers went over and they ended the alliance. 17 years ago this week, former WCW world champion Bill Goldberg signs with the WWE. He would uh, make his debut at WrestleMania 19. And then 11 years ago, Goldberg announces he's in negotiations to return to the WWE. He's still up there, still doing his thing in some way, shape, or form. And here was a guy that just never really got it. Much like Bret Hart, I I think he confused reality with storyline. I can't lose that way. It'll make me look bad. No, no, it's not going to matter. You see, it's not real. And the part that he he took oh, oh, he took himself too seriously. It, it's uh, who was it? Kevin Nash or Scott Hall that would tell the story of when on Monday Nitro he went and they told him, you know, yeah, you don't have to like break the car window. Just grab the door. The door's going to open right up. Nope, got to break the window. 
break my hand. As they like to say, he became a mark for himself. Yes. He, he went just too far, and I think his career, I mean, as great as he was, and Kevin Sullivan gives him all the credit for starting the way that he did with Goldberg, where he wasn't really a mic guy. He couldn't talk on the mic very well, and Kevin Sullivan said, then you're not going to talk. You're just going to go out there, squash people, and we're going to build you up because you look the part. You look amazing. If he just could have gotten out of his own way, how much more could we have gotten? And, you know, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall played a part in it. How much more could we have gotten out of great stories with Goldberg? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. So we begin the show by talking about Kane. Let's end the show by talking about The Undertaker, who turned 56 years old on March the 24th. 20-plus years in the WWE, seven world championships, seven tag team championships, even won a hardcore title, and a guy that was the unquestioned leader of the locker room in the WWE, Mark Calloway, 56 years old. Of course, we also talked about the 21-match winning streak at WrestleMania. I, I don't know. Look, he's... I guess not technically retired, but he is. I don't know why you would wait to put a guy like this in the Hall of Fame. Just do it. I almost feel like he deserves to go in by himself. Yeah, maybe you're right. Like we're in a time where, you know, uh, guys like Batista, they have scheduling conflicts, and and we don't know even know if it's going to look like what they normally would. Why not put him in? You can put him in a camera crew, in an arena or somewhere, and you induct him by himself. I mean, this guy, for what he accomplished and for what he did for the WWE, I mean, you know, when you talk about people for the WWE, the names for it, it really only resonates with two names to me, and it's Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. They've been there the longest, the tenure, but then when you talk about a guy who was the locker room leader, who everyone respected, who everyone revered, it hands down becomes the undertaker. You can just alleviate everyone else and say, we're doing one induction. We can do a highlight reel and maybe even give people apologies and say, Hey, we really probably shouldn't have had him lose a WrestleMania. We yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be that way. It was interesting. I just watched a, a conversation with the undertaker as well. You know, they floated the idea of the streak ending and he said, look, whatever you want to do, we told Vince, uh, it's about the business. And, yep. and I get that. He wasn't really sure he wanted it to end, and he didn't know for sure until that day, the day of WrestleMania, they told him, by the way, Lesnar's going over. And he wasn't crazy about it, but, again, being the leader that he is, he understands what the business is. And Brock Lesnar, to this point, has said, I owe him a ton for it because he didn't have to do it, and I wouldn't right. have been upset if he didn't do it. And the thing about it is when you talk about The Undertaker, they they told stories of, how matches that he expected to go a certain way, and I can't remember which match it was, but they talked about why, where it what it didn't. Yeah, the match wasn't going to go the way he expected. Undertaker finishes his match, goes to the back. It's the very next match for the world championship. He takes off his gear. He he tapes up his knuckles, grabs a chair, turns it around at gorilla position, and is waiting, looking at Vince McMahon. And if Vince doesn't call the match that he the way that he wants, Vince said he even said, "I thought he was going to get up and kill me." Mm-hmm. I had to do it the way that he wanted because he respected and understood the business that well that you know, just imagine we walked to our boss's office. Look, we, we want the shows to go this way. and We could do it. We just wouldn't have jobs. The very next <laughs> no, day. And Undertaker had a job because Undertaker could squeeze your head and smash it like a melon. So anyway, uh, happy birthday to uh, Mark Calloway. And with that, we wrap up another episode of The Finishing Move. Hopefully uh, the road dog, Adam Gillespie, will be back from assignment next week. We ask you to do a few things. We ask you to like 
we ask you to download, we ask you to subscribe, or the aforementioned Adam Gillespie will come and give you a stink face. And everybody knows that would not be a pleasant experience. Oh, boy. So with that, we say enjoy your time. We'll talk to you next week. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com.